0: Passionate Life Church. How's it going? My name is Don Thurber. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. I want to welcome everybody that has joined us online, anybody that might listen to our podcast during the week. We are so thankful that and blessed that you're a part of Passionate Life Church. Right now we are in at the beginning of a new series so excited for rise up! This is so, such a great title for the 21 day fast that we're in. God's rising us up in our spiritual disciplines and strength and things like that. Um, I I am very different from your pastor, by the way. Um, he is we are polar opposites. Okay, but what I love about your pastor our pastor is that he sees the gifts and talents in his people and the people that he's around and he empowers us to step into all those gifts and talents and so I am always honored and humbled whenever I have this platform and for some of you it's been a really long time since you've seen me and for some of you it's your first time so this is exciting come on somebody I'm excited it's been a while so the word for the year, broken. When our pastor shared this word, I was one of the ones that said, go back. Go back, start over. Start over, okay? We, I did not like the word broken. And when I spent some time with the Lord for about an hour, and the Lord started speaking his goodness into me and what brokenness does, And the blessing that comes from it, I was excited. And I'm excited today that through brokenness, He can be our rescue, our healer, our redeemer, and do all that He wants to do in us. But before we can be broken, we have to be completely surrendered and obedient to Him. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, to rise up in obedience, complete obedience in God. So let's pray and get right into it. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you that you made this day for us. And we just say, have your way in us, God, today. Have your way in our hearts and our minds. I pray that there would be a supernatural understanding to your word, that we would go deeper in relationship and who you are and who you want to be in our life. We thank you for that. Let it be all your words today and none of mine. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're going to be in the Old Testament today. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 15. But before I get into the scripture, I want to unpack context. Our pastor loves research context and to give us an understanding of of what we're reading and how that applies to our lives. I love it. And so I want to give you some context about this chapter in 1 Samuel 15. So this is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came. We had prophets. There were prophets that were appointed by God that God would come to and he would talk to and he would give a message for his people. Okay, so Samuel in this chapter is the prophet. He's the prophet that God would come speak to and give messages to for his people. And so in this same chapter, Saul is the king. He's the first king of Israel. Okay, and so Saul is the king and God has a message for Samuel to give to Saul. So the message is, Saul, I want you to go to the Amalekites. They have been disobedient. They have not been following me. They reject me. They are against my people. And so I want you to go to the Amalekites, and I want you to wipe them up. I've already given wipe them out, wipe them up, wipe, that too. Um, <laughs> wipe them out and take them out, and all their flocks, herds, uh, sheep, um, everything, their possessions, burn it all up, get rid of all of it. This is the command of the Lord. So Saul goes to the Amalekites and he does all that he asks except he takes the king captive and he decides to keep some of the flocks and herds to sacrifice to the Lord. And so God was pretty upset. He was pretty upset with Saul. So he goes back to Samuel and he was like, why did I pick this guy? (laughs) I mean, he says that three times in the chapter. Why did I pick this guy? He is not obedient. So Samuel goes and finds Saul. And Saul's all like, yeah, I was obedient to the Lord. I did everything you asked. And was like, no, you didn't. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 15, 22. We're going to read this part. Samuel's reply to Saul when Saul comes to him. But Samuel replied to Saul, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Hey, when we see this in the scriptures, when it says listen with an exclamation point, we need to listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So we learn this about the Old Covenant every time we take communion. The pastor takes us through this, that the Old Covenant, what they had to do as Israelites, they had to bring a burnt offering to atone for their sins, basically to be in right standing before the Lord for, in order for their sins to be forgiven. And so in the Old Covenant, this was part of their practice. Sacrifice was a big deal, okay? Is, is Samuel saying sacrifice is not a big deal? No, He's saying it's a huge deal because what the Israelites had to do was they had to bring their best. So the best of their flocks and herds, the best that would provide for their family, they had to take their best and go to Jerusalem. Now, lots of them did not live in Jerusalem. So think about this. They had to take the best that provided for their family, that they would breed for the strongest and the best for the rest of their herds, Pack up their things, pay money to travel, go to Jerusalem, stay in a hotel or an inn, pay more money for that, and then sacrifice their best to the Lord to atone for their sins. How important was that? That was a huge thing for the Israelites to do. But God is saying, what's more important? How much more important is that we listen to the voice of God? He's not saying that sacrifice is wrong. We should sacrifice, but sacrifice is the result of our personal relationship with Jesus. We start with this listening to his voice in every area of our life, and then the result is the sacrifice and the do. Even Paul says it's not by our works that we're saved. It's by the grace of God and relationship with him that we're saved, so Samuel is taught, he's speaking straight to the heart of Saul in this moment. He's like, it's not about works. It's not about your opinion. God's word and his voice is above your opinion. It's above your preferences. It's above what you think is good and right. We need to be completely obedient to his voice. And that's what God's speaking to us in this scripture. Obedience, listening to his voice is more important. What's better? Listening to his voice is above the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is still important. It's still important. Saul doesn't get it. God's word is above his opinion. This is what God's speaking. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God told Saul to completely ravaged the whole Amalekites, and he decided to do it his way. And when God speaks to us and he says, don't lie, yet we twist the truth a little bit to protect ourselves and those that are around us. God says to love our enemies and pray for them, yet we still have resentment and unforgiveness in our hearts. God says go to church you go to church, apply the things of, the, of biblical principles in your life, yet your, your world and your life doesn't look different Monday through Saturday. God says, read the word and pray. But you're like, ah, I'm not a reader. That's me. I'm not a reader. I like to pray, but I don't like to read. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God doesn't want just a little bit of our hearts. He doesn't want just portions of our lives. He wants all of us. Complete surrender and obedience to what God speaks to us. That is the heart of God, to have that deep relationship. God is asking for all of us. Proverbs 3 5, this is my favorite proverb. Trust in the Lord with all. Everybody say, with all. All. With all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Love that. God is asking us to trust us with all our hearts, not just a partial of our hearts, a portion of our hearts or lives, but all of it. And do not depend on your own understanding. I love the second part of this verse. We can't rationalize obedience sometimes. We can't understand why he's asking us to do what he's asking us to do. We can find confirmation. We can look in the word, in the scriptures about what God says. We can seek godly counsel. We can be sitting here in a service and God confirms or speaks something that he's already been speaking or confirming in your life. But sometimes we can't rationalize or understand what God is saying. We won't always understand. An example is it was uh, the second year of, of Andrew and I's marriage, We had gotten married in Florida and then moved to Phoenix, Arizona. We had amazing jobs. God opened the door for government and corporate jobs. We were uh, making good money. We had just gotten raises. Super exciting. We're like, man, we're starting to to do this thing, and, and God's blessing us. And in the midst of that. The Holy Spirit speaks to Andrew and I and says, I want you to sell everything, quit your jobs, load up two of your cars, move back to Florida, live with your parents in a 10 by 10 room. And that did not make sense to us. It didn't make sense at all. But as we prayed and as we sought the Lord and got into his word and we just felt this peace and excitement. When it's the Lord, he gives you this peace and excitement. He confirms And so we were pumped. We were like, let's go. We are ready. And so we obeyed God, but we obeyed God and rushed his timing. So in the midst of that, we're not understanding, but we we, were doing it, and we go, and we leave five months earlier than we should have. How do I know it's five months earlier than we should have? Because we still had a lease at our apartment in Phoenix for five more months. And we were like, you know, we'll find somebody to cover that. We'll have somebody move in, and it'll be all taken care of. But that didn't happen. We just le- left. And 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 that first five months, that first five, this is how I know we rushed obedience. And this was partial obedience. We rushed it. That first five months was hard. <laughs> okay. Just saying. It was very hard. The five months, we struggled getting a job. We struggled in our marriage. We struggled in relationships. We struggled. We were mad at the apartment complex. We didn't want to take a responsibility for it, by the way. We did not want to take responsibility for us rushing God's timing. We started to blame the apartment complex. Oh, I can't believe them. And, and now we're in more debt. We, got, we owe them this five months. And we look back, you know, there's consequence to us doing this partial obedience there was consequence of so the, the first five months, and then right at that five-month bark, this is crazy, right at that five-month bark, we got jobs, we started paying bills, we started to thrive, it was just, it was crazy, because God didn't, he, his perfect timing, he's in the details. We have to hone in on that relationship and voice of God, and listen and obey to every detail, not just a, a partial part of what he's saying, but the wholeness of what God's speaking to our lives. And so... We moved out there, we got our jobs, and and, and God blessed us for our obedience. What we didn't know at the time, our plan was we were going to start a real estate business, and God was going to flourish us, and that was the reason why he called us back out to Florida. But as we look back, none of that happened. (laughs) What happened was we got plugged in and planted in a life-giving, beautiful, thriving church that taught us, that sharpened us brought us up into the biblical principles that we need to grow in in order to be where we're at right now. God called us to be a part of that church because if it wasn't for the uh, being a part of that church, we would not be right here at Passion Life Church. He was lifting us up and rising us up in obedience so that we could grow in the into the man and woman that God called us to be. And so how how important is obedience and how important is it that God would call us to leave everything that we thought was, what he had for us in order to be planted in the house of God. How important is the house of God to him? How important is it? And so we lived in that partial obedience. We had to reap the consequences, but God still blessed us anyways. There's always a God reason for what he speaks. We don't understand the moment, but he's in the details. He always speaks through the word, through confirmations, It's not rushing obedience, but being exactly in his will. So another example, uh, we were living with my parents. We were about a year um, and a half or so, maybe about a year into living with my parents and living in the 10 by 10 room, trying to get out of debt, paying off debt, saving money. And the Lord speaks to Andrew and says, empty out all of your savings and pay off all your debt. Now, let me give you some insight to our pastor. He is a saver. He is a saver. He prepares for the future. He likes to do investments. He wants us to be taken care of in the future for our retirement, um, for leaving a legacy for our kids. He, you know, that, that saying, cash is king. Yeah, he likes that so that there, there is something in the reserve. So if there, an emergency happens, or something like that. So him coming to me saying that God's speaking to empty out our savings and pay off our debt was out of the ordinary. This was not him. This is not, you know, and we're in my parent. We're like, God, we want to get out of the house. We don't want to stay in the house. We want to move out. And so uh, we prayed about it. We received confirmations, and I'll read a couple of the scriptures. But as we were completely obedient to the Lord, we did exactly what God said and has set us up for a blessing. But I want to read the the confirmations that the Holy Spirit gave us. Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Owe nothing to anyone. So good. Proverbs 22, 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. These were our confirmations. Now, is all debt bad? No, not all debt is bad. There's some debt that's good. You know, you, you build your credit and you have a mortgage, and there's things that are, are good debt. It's the debt that enslaves you that is bad debt. It's the debt that you are living above your means or over and above and just spending left and right and not stewarding God's money well. That's the bad debt that God wants to take you out of. And so when we were obedient in the beginning, we did all the numbers, okay? In the natural, we did all the numbers. We're going to have to empty out all of our savings in order to become debt-free. Well, we were obedient, we became debt-free, and we still had an exorbitant amount of money in our bank, okay? Obedience is better than sacrifice, Because when we listen to God in the natural, it does not look, you can't rationalize God's supernatural. He blessed us in in measure when we were obedient to him. And what was crazy for us is not even a couple months later we qualified because we became debt free. And because we had that money in the bank. We could qualify for our first home and move out. And praise God, we got our first condo. We were rejoicing. Listen, we didn't know what was next, but God did. He wanted our whole hearts. He wanted, uh, he wanted to know that we could listen to his voice in the little before he entrusted us with the big. He's a good father. He's going to teach us. He's going to journey with us. He wants our whole heart, our whole heart. So going back to Saul, was this sacrifice that he wanted to do before the Lord wrong? Is God contradicting himself in this scripture? No. Saul was king. He had hundreds, thousands of flocks and herds that he could sacrifice before the Lord. The Lord wanted to speak straight to Saul's heart. And in this chapter, right before we get into the scripture of uh, verse 22, it shows us a glimpse of Saul's heart because God is not about always doing something on the outside. He wants to do something on the inside. He wants to address the inside because the inside always reflects what happens on the outside. And so I want to read this scripture that gives you an open door to what God sees in Saul Before the scripture about sacrifice. Let's read a glimpse into Saul's heart. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. This is his way to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. He set up a statue for himself. This gives us a glimpse of where Saul stood in his heart, in the condition of his heart. And why God was so upset with Saul. It wasn't that he took the herds and he wanted to sacrifice to them. It was because he, Saul wanted to do it his way. And he wanted to make a monument to worship himself. And give glory to what God had done. And so God wants us to rise up in complete obedience. And rise out of certain things in our life. That are holding us back from that complete surrender. And complete obedience to God's voice. And I want to go through these five Areas in our hearts that we need to rise up out of. I love definitions, so we're going to go through every definition. The first one is selfish ambition. Devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, etc., regardless of others. God wants us to rise up out of selfish, selfish ambition because when we're obedient to him, it's about God and him pouring through us to others. It's not about our own opinion, our own agenda, what we want. We focus on God. We need to rise up. And these are spirits that attack us. The selfish ambition, we need to be aware of these things so that we can combat them with the heart of God and being obedient to everything he tells us to do. We need to rise up out of selfish ambition. The second one is pride. Pride has been defined as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction in an achievement, an accomplishment, or in someone else or something else. But it's also been described as conceit, egotism, vanity, vainglory, all over one's own appearance or status in life and not just something that's been accomplished. God wants us to rise out of pride. He wants us to come before him with a humble heart. Because pride, in the scriptures it says there's pride before a fall. There's a reason why. Pride stands between us and complete surrender and obedience. We have to surrender this pride and say, God, it's all to your glory. That I stand here today. It's all to your glory that I have these accomplishments. We're stewards. What is stewardship? Stewardship means it all belongs to God. My kids, my family, my my husband, my spouse, my finances, my friendships. Everything belongs to God. I'm stewarding what God has given me. And so pride has to come out and know that it all belongs to God. And surrender that spirit of pride and come before the Lord with a humble heart. To be completely obedient to him. The third thing that we need to rise out of is entitlement belief that one is deserving of or entitled to certain privileges Saul thought he deserved this man he took out the Amalekites he did it he won he deserved the glory and sometimes this spirit in every generation not just this current generation but generation before us all the way up has this spirit of entitlement I've worked for it so I deserve it or hey my parents worked for it so I deserve it (laughs) no We do all things with excellence before the Lord. We show ourselves approved before the Lord. And we say, through your grace, I am saved. Through your grace, I can. And I have these talents to work and provide. It's through your grace that I'm alive because you're the creator. I'm not. This spirit of entitlement we need to rise up out of and be humble humble before the Lord and allow that complete obedience. The next one is control. Control. To have power over, I I like control. I like control. I like to control the things I can. See, I, I, I know about the surrender. Okay, I'm submitted to you, God, but I have control over cleaning my house. I have control over organizing. I have control over certain things that I love. Control is fun, but we need to release control in order to have complete obedience and say, I don't have to rationalize or understand. I will confirm through your word. I will seek see, godly counsel, but I'm, I'm giving full, full control to you, God, every step. I may not know what's going to happen next, but you do, and I trust you that you're a good God and that you're faithful and that you love me and that you care about every detail of my heart, my desire, my life, and that you're there. We need to, we need to release the control, rise up out of control. The last one is self-preservation. woo Preservation of oneself from damage or hurt. And this leads us back to the word of the year, broken. Why did I not like this word? Why did a lot of us not like this word in the beginning? Self-preservation. And sometimes self-preservation is good. It's not a bad thing. But when it comes to rejecting this brokenness that God wants to do in our life, it is bad. The enemy uses it to to isolate us, and to hide, because we don't want God to be in the spaces and places in our hearts that we've hidden away, that we've locked away, that are in Pandora's box. We don't want God in there, because it's painful. There's pain in the process of brokenness, but in order for us to get to that rescue, and that healing, and that freedom, we have to allow the Holy Spirit in those spaces and places, we need to welcome him into the, our heart and make him Lord of that, our hearts. Let him make a home in our hearts, in every area, not just portions or partially, but every area. He's asking for it all. Complete obedience. What's better? Listening to God's voice or sacrifice. When he wants to make a home. In our hearts, but we have to welcome him there. We have, to, we have to say yes. So we have five things that we've been risen out of, and now we are going to talk about five things we are going to rise into, rise up into. Here's a promise. Come on. Here's a promise. Curses are broken, okay? Addiction, trauma, okay? The spirit of divorce, strife, deceit, broken. Curses broken off of you that is the promise when we are completely surrendered and obedient to god curses are broken families are restored Marriages is restored kids and grandkids coming back to the lord families that have been torn apart are come and there's reconciliation this is what happens when we are completely surrendered to god Transformation happens. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't talk the way I used to think. I don't act the way I used to think. I don't respond the way I used to think. Thank God. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. And I am a new creation. Hallelujah. That's what happens in complete surrender. Healing happens. The things that you never thought would go away, the depression, anxiety you thought would never go away, the thoughts that you never thought would go away, the memories that would used to always tear you down, the regrets that always brought shame and guilt, gone. Gone. Healing happens. And then freedom. You are set free, and we are free indeed. I used to say, I'm like Paul. Because in the New Testament, he talks about this thorn in his side, that he has this thorn in his side, and it doesn't tell us what the thorn is, but I used to relate to Paul. Listen, I'm not Paul, I'm Don, okay? We're not Paul. He's using that as an example, all right? I was basically saying, Jesus, you died on the cross for everybody else but me. When I say, I'm just going to live with this forever, what you did on the cross was for everybody but me. No, God wants to set us free from everything, and freedom doesn't say that the enemy is not going to attack you because he's going to attack you. The f- freedom doesn't say that you're not going to have temptation. You're going to have temptation. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. What freedom says is he will not win. Freedom says you are an overcomer. Freedom says you're not striving for victory. You're standing and walking and living, thriving in victory. That's what freedom says. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. So we need to embrace this freedom through complete surrender and obedience to everything. Not partially, completely surrendered to God's plan. Completely surrendered to his voice. This beautiful brokenness that leads to this beautiful rescue that leads to healing and freedom. That's what he has for all of us. That's what he has for all of us. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could be set free. He wants us to rise up. Rise up. And we talked about a lot of things. I had 10 points today, okay? So I want to I want to put the 5 Things we need to rise up out of on the screen again. And I want you to look at those things. And I want you to focus on one area that God is just tapping on your heart right now. He's tapping on your heart. That one area that he wants to break, rescue you from, have healing, complete freedom. He has that for you today, church. And if you look at that and you're honest with yourself, you'd say, yeah, that's something that I need to be rescued from. In your hearts, we're getting ready to go into our response time. I want you to respond to what God wants to do in you so that he can bring you into this blessing, this beautiful blessing of a deeper relationship with him, understanding that he is a good father, may not understand or rationalize, but man, we can go to his word, be encouraged by his promise and know that he will always come through because you are not alone. He cares. He cares for you. He wants to walk this out with you. He has promises yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Our good, good father. Just Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes as we just respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts right now, maybe you would say, I need to start with a complete surrender to Jesus, this Jesus that you're talking about, (sighs) maybe it's your first time, or you need to rededicate your life and surrender to the Lord. With nobody looking around, this is just a personal declaration between you and God. I just want to pray with you. If that's you and you'd say, first time I want to give my heart to Jesus or I want to rededicate, just raise your hand to the Lord. I want to pray over you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. You can put those hands down. And if you would all repeat this prayer and everybody else repeat this prayer after me as we help those make the greatest decision of their lives. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on that cross. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life and be Lord and King. And I choose today complete surrender and obedience to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap for those making that decision. Let's rise to our feet as we go into our response time.